Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions of them to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Please be seated. Well, it is a great joy to be here, and I thank Simon so much for this gracious invitation. You are a sight for sore eyes, old friends and friends I have yet to meet. Uh, thank you for this invitation. Uh, by way of introduction, I, I was last time I was in this pulpit, I was taking leave of you, and I said then that I had learned at All Saints that to develop some filters, and uh, Sage has requested that I tell you that then and now there is no evidence of that. And, <laughs> And she has no idea what I'm not saying. It's a... So thank you. You might have heard of the Jewish holiday called Simchat Torah. Simchat Torah follows Sukkot, or the Feast of Booths, and marks the beginning of the public cycle, well, actually the end and the new beginning of the public cycle of the readings of the Torah. It's a holiday marked by unbridled joy, feasting, often dancing in the streets, it's the kind of celebration that we heard about in the reading from Nehemiah. The book of the law of Moses is read to men and women alike. It is interpreted, and even if it gives rise to repentance, the people are enjoined to neither mourn nor weep, but instead to eat and drink, sharing with those for whom nothing is prepared. Now, for much of my life, I was suspicious of the whole business of joy, and especially enforced joy. I remember from days as an evangelical schoolboy rather disliking the swags, as we uncharitably called them. Swags were people, attempt, demonst, people who were attempting to demonstrate how moved they were by fairly boring and mundane worship by their showing of their sickly, weedy, evangelical grins. Um, <laughs> hence the acronym SWEG. In fact, I tended wrongly to think of joy as a rather shallow emotion, uh, a sort of a bit like happy in the non Dalai Lama sense. And this changed for me here at All Saints. Um, a woman, you might remember, joined the parish at the urging of some of her friends here because she had received a diagnosis of cancer, and she wanted to be in a community that could talk about life and death and meaning and purpose while she endured whatever it was she had to go through. And indeed, she found that here. After seven years of treatments and in and out of hospital, but some trips and some wonderful celebrations along the way, I was visiting her at her home over in Inman Park, and she was thin, and she was frail, and she'd lost her hair, of course, and she was lying on her bed in a sun-drenched room with her husband by her side. And after some small talk, I said something really stupid, like, I don't suppose there's much fun in your life at the moment, is there? And she said, no, there's no fun. And she took her husband's hand. They clearly had talked about this. And she turned to him, and then she turned to me. And said, there's no, no fun, but we both have deep joy. We both have deep joy. And I thought, oh, God, that's it. You idiot, Jeffrey. That's it. That's joy. That's what you've missed all these years. Joy is not something shallow. Joy is as deep as it gets. In fact, she gave me a gift of great value. A little while later, the three of us prayed together, and I left and she died the next day at home. I came to understand that joy is not some manufactured, happy, clappy obligation like staying up until midnight on New Year's Eve and having a great time. Joy is more of a profound sense 
even in the midst of really grim circumstance, that all is well with God and the world. And we are, if you like, aligned or in right relationship with all whom God and all that God has made. Joy can only be a gift of grace, a gift of the Holy Spirit. And so back to our friend, the governor, Nehemiah, and his story of Ezra reading the law to the people, and Simchat Torah, and unbridled joy in the reading of the Scriptures. Deep joy need not give rise to feasting, but there's no reason it should not. But I find myself wondering what deep joy in the Scriptures in particular really is, and whether I would know it if it came along and tapped me on the shoulder. Some of you know a story of how I was supposed to do at university. I was supposed to do quite well in my exams. I was expected to do well, and I kind of blew it. And, and only one person told me how I'd blown it. I'd been reading theology, and, and a chap called Henry Chadwick, a man of great distinction, pulled me aside at a party and said, Jeffrey, a word. I thought, uh-oh. And he was the only one who told me what I'd done wrong, and he pulled me aside and he said, tell me, what do you think of Holy Scripture? And I said, well, I mean, the, the Gospels all kind of sound the same to me, and the prophets, God, they all sound the same. And I, I love theology and philosophy, but, you know, and the Bible, you know, it's fine. And, and he said, a word to the wise. He said, the Bible is a very good book, and you should read it. <laughs> so, so I've subsequently done that. I took, took it to heart. And, I, and I've read it and found that regularly throughout my life that there turns out to be an ongoing relationship between finding myself challenged and finding those challenges reflected in the Scriptures. When I was an undergraduate at the University of North Carolina, I had a roommate who dropped out for a semester or two. And when he returned, he shared that he had been dealing with his own sexuality and discovering that he was, com- and he was coming out as gay. And I realized that in my schoolboy uh, evangelical version of Christianity had nothing to offer him except judgment and condemnation. There was nothing I could bring to the conversation, nothing I'd been taught that was either correct or caring or appropriate. And so I basically stayed silent while I sorted that out. Within a Sunday or two, I was in church and I heard John's gospel and Jesus talking about how no one has greater love than laying down one's life for one's friends. And obviously, I didn't have to lay down my life, but I did have to let go of some comfortable certainties. And yet another brick was removed from my evangelical wall, which soon came tumbling down altogether. But at least two things followed. One was I was already being led by grace into new ways of reading the Scripture, both through my church and through my course of studies. But another was that I found myself filled with what I now recognize as joy in relationship to my sometime roommate, with whom I'm friends to this day. None of this was easy for me, but that existential relationship between Scripture and what was going on in my life was without doubt a source of great joy. Is it possible that those who attended the synagogue, as told in Luke chapter 4, were also destined to find their certainties challenged as Jesus read from the Torah and declared today, This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. We know that they initially found this abhorrent and ran him off. But could it be that in time their hearts were softened and that things which seemed so very important turned out to be less important than the new ways in which God's love was being made manifest and new ways of finding joy 
was open to them. The story of challenge and change and Scripture has been repeated and reprised throughout my life, and I dare say, say that's true. In fact, I know it to be true for many of you in this storied parish, as Simon and I will discuss, reflecting on conflict that has accompanied societal changes that have led us, the church, to turn again and again toward what really matters and finding ourselves increasingly aligned with the love of God for all, and for all whom God has made, and so finding joy even in the midst of difficult change. And even more than that, joy is what I remember from friends here laughing for you caring for one another, for the look on the face of a refugee seeing her newly furnished home, or thinking about the children whose handprints used to surround the walls of threads. When I think about you, and I think about my time with you, and even when I think about Scripture these days, I'm filled with joy. And I offer this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.